Hi, and welcome to Business for Optimists, a podcast for new ideas, innovation, and disruption. I'm Johanna, your host, and my thing really is asking just why things are done a certain way. Together with my guests, I'm exploring paths on how we can care about people, purpose, and the planet as much as we care about profit as entrepreneurs. Now, let yourself be inspired by those who are shaping the future of business. Hi and welcome to Business for Optimists and hi to you also if you're joining the show again. It's great to have you back. <laughs> and in the notes for this recording, I actually put a smiley face next to back. That's how excited I am. <laughs> All right, back to the podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Rebecca Bastian, the co-founder and CEO of OwnTrail. Together, we dig into how life paths are really ever linear and really whose life is like a straight line. How Rebecca's company, Own Trail, empowers women to celebrate the winding paths that life takes us on, and how companies and investors can combine values with profit. I also hear from Rebecca on coining the term authentic and what this movement of value-driven businesses could mean for the future of like-minded companies and tech as a whole. Now, let yourself be inspired, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Rebecca. It's really great to have you here. And for everyone who comes on this podcast, the first question I ask them is, what was your path into what you're doing today? Um, thank you for having me. Great to be on the show with you. And um, yeah, it's that's a big question that <laughs> can be answered a lot of different ways. I think um, what's interesting about our paths, and this is definitely something that has led me down the path that I'm on now with um, my company, Own Trail, is the fact that when we look back or like share share where we've been kind of in arrears, it can you can make it sound really linear, you know, and logical, and you can kind of connect the dots. Um, mm -hmm. When the truth is that when we're going through things and and navigating our path, um, we don't always know where it's leading, and it's not always so strategic or intentional, and things don't always turn out as planned. And so, um, you know, well, well, I can tell you a, a bit about my path in terms of you know. Mm -hmm. Went to a few different colleges, actually failed out of the first one and ended up um, getting some degrees in mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. um, and then I worked a couple of years at Microsoft. Um, and then I spent, you know, almost 15 years of my career at Zillow, which is a, a real estate platform. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I grew from an individual contributor into a vice president there. Mm -hmm. um, focusing on product. And then for my last couple of years, started a new team within a company called Community and Culture. And during that time, I got married, I had two little boys. Um, so, you know, all of that sounds rather linear and planned and that can be misleading, right? Because I think um, what it doesn't show is all of the different kind of mistakes and failures I've had, all of the different kind of, um, you know, ways that my personal and professional life kind of Play, intertwined with each other and um and kind of the the unintentional decisions that led me to a lot of those different things and so um where that path has led now is starting a company called own trail and also i wrote a book called blaze your own trail that's really embracing that kind of um the fact that there is no one right path and that they're very rarely perfectly linear and um you know really really embracing the authenticity particularly in women's lives around the way that we share the milestones of our lives the personal and professional milestones that have really made us who we are and not just you know the kind of the wins or the end results that that we oftentimes share so that's that's a little bit of my own background and my philosophy on life paths <laughs> That, that sounds really awesome. And, and what you just said is so, it, it's very resonant um, for sure. Because I, especially when you look to the tech space, um, but I would say in careers in general, there's this tendency to to craft, looking back, to craft this awesome magical story, how everything was just sort of lined up and destined to be. Um, and that's rarely the case for a lot of us, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, share a little bit more about what you're doing with Own Trail. Yeah, so Own Trail, um, it's owntrail.com. It's a peer-to-peer -peer support system for women. Mm -hmm. And it's based on this collection of women's really authentic, non-linear life paths. So um, when you go to owntrail.com, you can share 
your path through life is called a trail. And it's, it's both where you've been and where you aspire to go in your life across the, the personal and professional milestones that have really made you who you are. So the things we've overcome, the wins, but also the, the struggles and everything in between. And, um, and women share just really authentically. And what that does is um, it gives us the ability to really own our story in a way that can be really empowering and provide clarity. Um, but it also can really inspire other women with our stories. And so, you know, the, the goal really being helping women to see people who look like us in the places that we aspire to as a way of really giving us the confidence to, to and imagination of, of, of different places we could be going in our lives and also in finding solidarity around those shared experiences that we have. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a startup. We launched a year ago mm-hmm. and building this a really amazing community of women and really incredible trails that have been being shared during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preparing for this interview, I looked, I looked at the trails on the website and I, I really enjoyed how candid um, they are. Um, especially between sort of work and personal life events or, you know, stories of, of moving, of college, of losses, of miscarriages, of breakups. It's, it feels very real. And it's so there's this, um, to explain for the listeners, it's, it, it moves, it shows, it, it really looks like a map and there are these little dots along the map of different colors and symbols and you can sort of click on them and see what happened for the people at that time. And that was, that was really cool. Why, um, Why is it that um, especially women need something like this? Well, you know, we, we chose to center women for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, the, the being able to see people in the places we aspire to, we often don't have that in our immediate purview. I think a lot of women end up in situations where they aren't only, particularly women who hold different um different identities and um which we all do we, we all hold multiple identities and so being able to see people that share those identities and our experiences um in different places isn't something that we always have access to and so really creating that access on own trail um also having a centered space that um you know i think that really kind of helps create that sense the safety around kind of the vulnerability that is being shared mm-hmm. and there are you know unique experiences that that women share that are more unique to the experience of being a woman mm-hmm. and so that that's why we started there and um you know i think certainly a lot of people have asked if we can expand to um to all genders and to really center different Mm-hmm. underrepresented identities and I think there's a ton of potential there but really focusing on on women for now mm-hmm. yeah this makes makes sense especially in the beginning for a startup you want to you want to make sure that you're you're also I guess you can manage sort of what you're putting out um, yeah well and I mean you know it's half the population so it's not too niche either <laughs> yes <laughs> quite a quite a few women around um <laughs> Have you, I can imagine this to be a really powerful tool um, also for women at the beginning of their careers to really see how there's this sort of plethora of, of options out there. Have you been getting any feedback around that or any fan mail? <laughs> well, I do hear really amazing feedback from women, which I will admit kind of makes my entire day or year, you know, just hearing hearing from the members of our community is really powerful. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios there, right? I think certainly when you're starting off um, in your adult life, um, a a lot of women feel like they're supposed to know where they're going and how they're going to get there and have some clear path ahead of them, which can both feel, feel daunting. um, Mm -hmm. It can lead us to feeling like we're doing it wrong when it doesn't unfold that way. And it can also limit the possibilities of, of where we might go. So I think that's definitely a really important scenario. And, you know, a lot of the trails being shared are women who are um, well younger or early in their careers. And there's definitely not a correlation between kind of how, how important of a story you have to tell versus how old you are. You know, everyone, everyone has a story to share. Um, you know, I think oftentimes kind of in that kind of mid-career time frame is another time that we, we sometimes evaluate, like, I, you know, I've been, I've been laser focused on this one path and is this even what's right for me? Is this, is this really what I want is, you know, kind of rethinking some of the the decisions that you had kind of assumed you'd already made. And um, there's a lot of transitions that can happen around that time that are really, um, you know, have, having that community of, 
of women that are really authentically sharing what, what, where they've gone and what decisions they've made can be really helpful with that too. And then of course, you know, the, um, the further you go in life, the more you, you have, the more of a kind of the different experiences you have to, to both own and share with others. And we're never done until we're done, you know, so there's, there's still always more to aspire to and more to reflect on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I love that, especially when we're thinking about how, I guess how we work and how long we work, all of this is, is very much in flux right now. There's, you know, we're now collectively working from home. Um, when I, I guess when I look at, um, there was this article that came out a couple of weeks ago around how most of the people affected by, um, how do you say that in English? Um, well, most of the people who were fired during um, COVID in, in America were women. Um, and I, I guess what you're creating is really powerful and showing. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, yes, fired, but also, you know, the, the women that have been, you know, between two impossible choices with mm-hmm. having, to, um, you know, with, with kids not being in school and not having childcare and having jobs that, that aren't flexible or understanding of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of, you know, women have definitely taken the, the front of that um, across the board. It's, yeah, I think that, Part of our vision for Own Trail is both, um, you know, on the kind of individual level, helping women to to kind of realize the different possibilities in front of them and have that support system with each other to to tackle them, but also changing some of the systems that have held us back to begin with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of those, several of those systems are in play right now are are really painfully clear with everything that's been happening with this pandemic in terms of you know the um, the the impossible expectations that are put on women across personal and professional lives and the lack of support for that and the um, kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't um, dynamic there. And so, you know, both through supporting women as they shatter some of those ceilings and have more of a, a seat at the table with decisions that are being made about our lives. But we also are really excited about there's this, there's this whole data play here basically mm-hmm. where as women share more and more about what they're really experiencing in their lives, then we're able to fill in some of the gaps in data that exist about what women really experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's amazing. And I actually realized this when I was writing my book, Blaze Your Own Trail, which has a lot of data woven into it, yeah. is that there are huge gaps in the data that we understand about women's lives. And particularly from an intersectional standpoint of the different identities that women hold. And so um, as we can start to fill in some of those gaps, then we can have you know, better decisions being made about us and um, you know, more accurate and positive belief systems held about us. And you know, that can really start to change some of those systems. So we have, we have a pretty huge vision for how this can create positive impact. I like it. I really like it. What was your um, your first instinct or your first sort of motive around creating this company? What what made you start it? Well, it actually started with the book that I wrote. So um, Blaze Your Own Trail, which is this um, kind of interactive, choose your own adventure style exploration of women's life paths. And it's, it's embracing the kind of the idea that there is no one right path and creating that confidence and solidarity around the, the many different experiences and decisions that we can encounter in our lives. And so um, when I'd signed with a publisher for that and was waiting for the book to come out, I started playing around with kind of what I thought was going to be a really cool book launch platform. Mm-hmm. And that's what ended up really taking on a life of its own and, and turning into own trail. Mm-hmm, that's um, so cool. Yeah. So it was really, you know, I, and I brought a really incredible team together to work on it with me and we all ended up quitting jobs that we love to go do this and um, never looked back. And it's, it's been a, a really pretty incredible startup experience. Cool. How um, you have VC investors, right? And they're all angels. We oh, did a pre seed round. So it's all angel investors. Yeah. How was the fundraising process for a product like this? That's really by women, for women, which is sort of not yeah. the norm that we tend to see um, in the ecosystem yet. <laughs> I want to say yeah. yet. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, no, I mean, you you nailed it. We we don't match a lot of the patterns and a lot of investors are all about pattern matching. And so it was really hard. Um, it was really time consuming. I, it was just, it was truly a numbers game, which I think is always true with, with fundraising, but mm. I really 
talked with a lot of people to find the right investors for us because, you know, I think so many people gave probably well-intentioned, but completely off-mark advice around like how we should be growing our business and, you know, really, really thinking about kind of almost a growth at all cost standpoints and how, um, you know, kind of focus on the money. Don't worry as much about the, the, the values kind of thing, you know, and it's like, that's just not for us. And we were really determined from the beginning to have an incredibly diverse cap table mm-hmm. because the, the community of women on own trail is really incredibly diverse. And so we really wanted to make sure that our investors um, mapped to that. And um, it took a lot of work, but it's, it was a good outcome in that we, we ended up with what we wanted there. We ended up with investors that really believe in us and our vision and are really value adds in terms of the, the skills and perspectives and connections that they bring. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we ended up with a, a truly diverse cap table of um, 67% women and 48% people of color. Amazing. Which Norm in <laughs> not at all. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So it worked out really well. I mean, obviously not done yet. That was just our pre-seed round. So mm-hmm. we have plenty ahead. But um, I learned a ton from the process, and I think it was, um, you know, when 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 you're up against kind of adverse challenges like that, mm-hmm. and you are uncompromising in your values, it can really give you a sense of focus and confidence that um, on the other side of it. So I, I definitely feel like I gained some of that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really encouraging to hear because the, um, the funding numbers, one of, this, one of the episodes of the podcast is with someone who's the president of the Women Vest Observatory, which is a, an organization that collects data on investing in female-founded startups in Europe, which is just abysmal, same as in the States. Um, so I'm really excited to hear that you found so much resonance from people who are, you know, sort of the future of what cap tables could look like if we, you know, refought cap, uh, what do you call it? Um, pattern matching. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> That's really cool. So, um, I want to ask you also about this really cool project that you started and a Forbes article you wrote on often tech and in it you said something that I thought was really great um often tech is emerging not because the world needs another technical business model but because the world needs inclusive authentic connections in order to move forward in this turbulent decade it's time for a new way of doing business that centers the human and turns customers from commodities to community members. This is amazing. What what started this? I think it, you know, it did kind of start with my fundraising experience where I felt like there's just a lot of kind of boxes to check about what kind of company are you? And I didn't really feel like I, I clearly resonated with any of them or there's just kind of a lot of... Um, you know, association, like, you know, are we social media? Like we definitely have kind of network effects and a community driven model, mm-hmm. but so much of social media is, um, you know, there's, there's so much kind of toxicity and inauthenticity around the way that it's been built traditionally. So I didn't feel like I could really, um, you know, check that box and we're not mm-hmm. exactly we're not ed tech, even though there's, <laughs> there's kind of an educational component to it and we're not, um, you know, the kind of mental health and well-being, even though that definitely is an impact that we're creating. And it, mm-hmm. so I just started kind of talking about like, well, what are we? And I, you know, I love a good pun. So I coined this phrase, authentic and <laughs> reading about it. And then I decided to write this article because I, I have a Forbes byline that I write. And, um, and then when I published that and really it's it, to describe authentic, it's, it's really like, I kind of described a few almost pillars of what it means, you know, like not commoditizing people, right? Mm-hmm. So as opposed to like where you're this kind of attention economy that tries to get people to stay, you know, keep, mm-hmm. keep scrolling as long as possible because the longer they're there, the more you can sell them to your advertisers yeah. or, um, you know, the kind of creating value for people as opposed to just being completely profit driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some of the network effects around like how you're bringing together people together around shared experiences to create authenticity mm-hmm. as opposed to this kind of winner take all model of like the most followers or the most likes and, um, mm-hmm. and then the inadequacy that you, that kind of stems from some of that. And so um, as I was sharing that, what happened is a lot of different companies started coming forward, a lot of different founders and saying like, 
I really resonate with this. That's, I think that I'm building an authentic company as well. And, um, and what was cool about that was that like so many different companies, I think we have about 60 now that are part of this authentic community. Mm -hmm. They're all in really different spaces. So it's not like there's like a specific vertical that authentic maps to, but it's a way of building a business that really centers the human. Mm -hmm. And so we have this, yeah, this really incredible community that's been forming around it. Um, you know, we have a Slack channel that we talk amongst ourselves and we have a clubhouse club, um, building authentic that we've been starting to have more public facing conversations in, mm-hmm. um, and I've started sending out deal flow to investors that are interested in authentic companies. Um, and I've already like, that's already been going well and making some connections and, you know, with the vision of really kind of both kind of speaking into existence, this way of doing business, but, and then also creating almost an ecosystem where we can be more self-sustaining and not all have to deal with that noise of talking to like 300 people to find the 20 that believe in you, right. you know, yeah. um, as there's already investors who, who understand and are excited about this, this kind of model. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been a really cool side project, but also like very, um, you know, very related to what we're doing at OnTrail, both because that is how we're building OnTrail, but just having that community um, that supports each other around that has been really beneficial to to our work. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that having having a lot of like-minded people around you is really, really helpful for driving this vision forward. Um, yeah, and I think the, like what's what's happening is all these companies are supporting each other through this authentic community is it's really creating that abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, for as a startup founder, and especially when you're less represented in the startup ecosystem, you can start to feel the scarcity mindset of like mm-hmm. only, only a certain number of the startups are going to succeed or get funding or whatever it is. And I think that community really kind of is the antidote to that. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's been really helpful just to, from a mindset perspective as well yeah it sounds great it, it's really um it sounds like a really you know more human-centered a warmer kinder way of, of doing this and going on on the startup journey um when you look to sort of the ecosystem where do you see because you i assume you made a really intentional choice with building it this way where do you see the challenges that the ecosystem is not addressing Well, you know, fundraising is a big one because that's obviously a a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of, you know, who gets funding ends up having a much higher likelihood of being able to grow and and succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I think that it can be tempting when you're building a really values-driven company. Maybe not tempting, but there's there's a lot of kind of paths to distract you from your North Star of, of the values that you're building towards. And so I think that having having that community of other really values-driven founders um, helps helps keep you centered on that. And, um, you know, and really you, you have to stay, I think the interesting kind of balance with, with building an early stage company is staying laser focused on your big vision and mission and values while still being flexible enough to pivot and learn from, from what's happening in the moment, you know, and I think the, the community that we have really supports that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, you mentioned earlier um, this tendency on social media, especially that, you know, we're really into the numbers. It's really important how many followers we have. There's this sort of, full authenticity um, where I think there's like this, you know, at least in some posts that I've seen, there's this veneer of this and this is happening to me, but it it almost takes on this sort of performative quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we think a lot about kind of Onshell being a content-based network. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is that um, women aren't connected to each other necessarily by like the most followers or friends Mm -hmm. or likes, right? In fact, we do have this method of showing appreciation on someone's trail, but it's a private appreciation, right? You're not trying to like show the world, oh, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm this popular. <laughs> and, and, the, and the way that women connect with each other instead is about these shared experiences, right? So like, um, you know, oh, you, you, you experienced a lot of self-doubt at this point in your life. I did too. And there's that connection. And so being really authentic about these experiences is actually like brings you together and creates more connection as opposed to trying to rack up the most kind of, um, you know, form forms of popularity, which mm-hmm. then lead to less authenticity. And so, um, you know, our hypothesis when we started building on was that this kind of content based network effects would lead to more authenticity. 
And it's definitely proven to be true, which is exciting to see. Um, and even, you know, to that end, we've, we're actually seeing that what's being shared seems to be getting even more authentic and detailed over time. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening there is that, you know, when you go on and you see what other women are sharing and how really kind of raw and real it is, that inspires you to share more yourself. It creates that safety. And so we're, we're seeing that um, kind of multiply as we go. And it's really powerful. Oh, I love that. It sounds like so much I would say when I think back to sort of the very early days of of social media, maybe especially for me when Instagram came around and you started sharing photos and there were other people who were really into photography and it was this sort of warmer, maybe more people-centric conversation that I feel is really sort of lost now, right? When you, when you look to Instagram or it could be any other of those apps too, it's, it, it feels very, well, it's very extractive, right? It's like extractive of your attention. It, it wants data. It, it does all these things to keep you on. But the interactions feel, to me at least, quite stale. Yeah, to a lot of people, I think. And that, I think that's why we're hearing enthusiastically from the women that have discovered Own Trail about, you know, kind of the way we're building this, because I think a lot of us are really sick of that kind of mm. social media facade and those, those shallow interactions and that feeling of being commoditized, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, a company is is really serving the, the person or entity that, that is paying them. And in the case of like, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, and all of those, it's, you know, it's the advertisers that are paying them. And so that's who they're, they're making decisions to, to most benefit. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. It sounds like we're, we're really at the tipping point where we need to move from this sort of entirely finance driven model to something that really centers the well-being of, of the people who use whatever platform it may be. It doesn't really matter, but really to focus well-being. Yeah. And, you know, it, and, and you can do that and still be really profitable too, right? It's not, it's not either or it's, it's very, yes. And, and, you know, maybe you're not kind of growing quite as fast or growing revenue quite as fast as you might have, but honestly, it's, it's more authentic engagement as well. And, you know, in the long run, I think we've seen plenty of examples um, in recent years of companies that did have that kind of growth at all costs and it just falls out from under them. Right. Mm -hmm. So when, um, you know, it's, I definitely wouldn't say that even from, you know, from a financial standpoint that that's, that it's, it's the right thing to do to, to be just laser focused on, on the bottom line and nothing else. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's not sustainable in any way. I mean, not in many ways, not ecologically. Um, and yeah. also just in terms of the company internally, why at one of the um, pillows you had of, authentic. So I saw um, three things that you had in the Forbes article, which was community over audience, attention economy versus intention economy and value over profit. Um, And if we start with value over profit, because it's very pertinent to where we are in this conversation is there seems to be this, um, well, we're sort of stuck in this dichotomy, right? It's either value or profit, but there's not really, or there are very few companies where it seems like they're publicly, publicly able to combine the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it's a mindset, you know, like it's even just how we talk about things internally, right? When we're, like, when we're kind of defining our roadmap and making decisions, we're talking about how do we create the most value for the members of our community? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not talking about how can we extract the most money from them? You know? And um, profit follows value, right? They're, they're not totally decoupled or anything, but I think when, when you're thinking about it from a really value-driven perspective and the value being the people, mm-hmm. right, then the way you, you make decisions just ends up being a little bit different. And I think you you end up avoiding things that might compromise people's mm-hmm. safety experience or mental health or all the, all the different things that, that being purely profit-driven can, can sometimes compromise. Mm-hmm. Do you have a practical example how you implement this at own trail well i mean the fact that we've we've definitely thought about and had a lot of people suggest to us an advertising based model which can totally make sense right we know a lot about what women are experiencing in their lives and could probably very accurately target them with with different products that might be compelling and um, and we very you know we went deep into that and decided very consciously 
not to take that approach because we, we never want to treat the women that are sharing their real authentic stories with us as commodities. And we never want to sell them even in a way that, you know, might somewhat protect their privacy, but it, um, you know, it's just, it, it didn't, it didn't feel right. It didn't pass that kind of, we looked at our, our core values that, that we've defined and it didn't really pass the check there. And so that's why we've gone down this model where our business model is kind of providing opportunities for women to really level up their experience on own trail through mm-hmm. um, facilitated cohorts and guided frameworks to um, kind of take it to the next level in terms of what they're um, navigating for themselves and how they're supporting each other, but they can purely opt in and we're, we're free for everybody and then have premium services that we'll be expanding on on top of that. But being, you know, basically giving women the agency to choose, you know, how and if they want to be spending their money on own trail and how that best serves them. Mm-hmm. And that can change at a time as well. So um, yeah, that, I guess that's, that's one like um, very practical example of how that has played out for us. Yeah. How's um, when you were raising money from angel investors, how were the conversations going with them? And I'm specifically asking this question because I'm thinking about, you know, someone who might want to start a company who already has a company listening to this and they might say like, yeah, this all sounds great in theory, but you know, as soon as I talk to an investor, they're going to be like, oh, well, values are great, but, you know, it's not going to make me money. Or why would you not do the advertiser model? You know, sort of the standard questions you might you might expect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you will definitely hear that from people, right? And and if this is important to you to, to build a company in a way that's really values driven, then it's a really great way of filtering out the people that won't be the right investors for you. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think I've heard, and I think it makes a lot of sense that um, once you bring on an investor, it's it's almost harder to get out of than a marriage. Right? <laughs> you're you're with them for the long haul, and so I think oftentimes there's definitely a power dynamic in investing that um, you know the founder is the one really asking asking for the money, and the investor is the one who has the power to grant it or not. And while that's true. Um, I, you know, I think I, I would definitely encourage founders to to think about it as a two way decision, and it's not just them meeting. And you know, the, you'll de- I've definitely talked with people that kind of have a different viewpoint than that than I do, who say that um, you know, I just I need money to survive, and you know, I don't have the the privilege of choosing who I take it from. But as someone who also you know need money to survive and and didn't hold a lot of the privileges of um, you know of easy fundraising, I still you know, held that as, as, uh, um, non-negotiable. And I filtered out a lot of people that wouldn't have been the right investors for us mm-hmm. because they didn't get the way we wanted to be building own trail. And, um, it took a lot more time and conversations, but I, I really feel like it was the right decision in the long run. So it might not be easy. And, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of moments of feeling discouraged or just pissed off by, you know, the, <laughs> investors that say like, oh, you're just a little too early. And then, you know, they turn around and they, they write a huge check to someone who has like an idea in their head who happens to be a, a white man who's building a really like, you know, just purely profit-driven company. And it's like, oh, too early, huh? But, but you know, it's, it's, all, it's all a filter to find the people that are, are right to be working with. Yeah, very true. And I'm, I'm glad you're sharing that because there's this, I think when you're, and I was a founder once too, right? And there's this sort of temptation when you're in tech and you see all this news about people getting funded like left and right and you're sort of like, do I want this? How do I want it? Is it even possible to do it differently or in a way that feels more aligned with my values? Um, so I'm really glad you shared this. And I'm also glad you shared your thoughts on the investor-founder relationship because this, I feel, is also something that's not maybe not talked about enough where, you know, you really need to be cognizant of the fact that when you have an investor, it's, it's a long-term relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully very, very long-term, you know, (laughs) to be going for a long time. And I also really, you know, um, the relationship, yes, but also I want to be putting money back into the pockets of, of Mm -hmm. people necessarily like I don't want to be pattern matching myself either mm-hmm. um you know the I think the whole kind of investor landscape is fairly homogenous as well and I don't want to keep propagating those same cycles of wealth I want to create new ones and actually 38 percent of our investors this was their first ever angel check they've been wanting to get into angel investing and they wrote our first their first check with us and that's such an honor mm-hmm. and it also really goes against you know some of the advice that I've heard that says like 
Well, before you talk to someone, make sure that they have a really good portfolio so you're not wasting your time. And I think if you're if you're doing that, you're going to keep propagating existing cycles. And so, um, you know, we really kind of stepped out of that and looked beyond kind of who's already making money off of venture capital. And that led to a really different cap table that was both diverse and, um, and really values driven. So, awesome. yeah. Awesome. I like how this creates an entirely new dynamic of, of wealth creation because it's really also... Who do you, who do you want to take money from, and then who do you want to work with? Like, who do you want the profits that you're generating to go to? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so we're not, you know, and I think when you think about it from that perspective, it's also kind of changes some of the power dynamic as well. Like, as founders, we also have the power to change, you know, to change this whole system, right? And so we can do that intentionally. Yes, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your um, the the definition of authentic because you, you have something else in your article that I thought was really interesting, which is the intention economy versus the attention economy. So the the attention economy versus the att intention economy. Um, what I thought was really interesting is that you the way you describe it is that our communities and then by default, the businesses around them are grown by the members of a community um, and the products and services are based on consumer or customer demand. Yeah. yeah, so the the idea of intention economy was actually coined by Doc Searles, mm -hmm. um, who is an American writer and, and scholar. And, um, and the idea being really that um, being, you know, allowing creating a space for people to be intentional about what they want out of a business, right? As opposed to the business saying like, here's what you get, you know, we know what you need, we know what you want, here it is, right? It's, it kind of, it flips, speaking of power dynamics, it flips that power dynamic a bit. And it really puts kind of the tra trajectory of the company and the way that the company serves the people in its community um, mm -hmm. kind of in the hands of the, the community itself. And so that's definitely how we're building own trail. We're really... You know, we, from the beginning, have been creating these feedback loops with our community so that we can understand, you know, like, yes, we have this big vision and we have this idea of where it could go, but we really want to hear, like, how is this resonating? What do what do women need that they're not getting right now of Untrail? How could it be different? You know, we balance, even, like, everything from, like, really specific decisions off of our community to, you know, kind of bigger direction. Um, and it, it um, it's worked really well so far. Like, I think that it hasn't steered us off course. It's just really helped kind of focus and prioritize where we're going. And, um, and really when you have that relationship with your community, they're going to be your biggest um, advocates as well. And we've been growing completely organically through word of mouth because of the women in our community that are really passionate about sharing what they experience on a trail and inviting more inspiring women that they know to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And especially when you talk about the, the power dynamic in business, I've seen, you know, sometimes when you're in the ecosystem, in the tech ecosystem, and you see or you hear about a couple of business models, and it almost feels like, you know, somebody has this sort of spreadsheet matrix of like this vertical, you know, let's do delivery, but then let's do it that way. And there's sort of this matrix and you're like, that's where it hits, right? And it mm -hmm. feels very often, it feels so... Yeah, sort of commoditized, standard, you know, you don't really connect to the company or the brand. And it's sort of cold, I would say almost soulless, but maybe that's a bit far. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, this is the kind of thing that you can't fake. And it's really hard to kind of create after the fact, you know, so mm -hmm. um, I think there's a reason probably that um, the, the companies in the authentic community so far are still in pretty like startup stages, like mm. kind of proceed through series A kind of phases of, of growth for the most part. And I think it's that like, this is um, a newer way of building a business. And it's not the, you know, it's the kind of thing that you have to kind of build from the beginning and mm. be authentic in the way you're building the company as well. And so, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to see a lot of really larger incumbent companies that are suddenly creating a level of authenticity um, and connection with their community um, at this point, if they hadn't been doing it from the beginning. And uh, which I think also points to the potential that a lot of these companies have to really disrupt existing kind of um, 
paradigms or systems because of, of building authentically from the get-go. Mm. Why do you think this is this is gaining momentum now? I mean, um, I think that this is this is what people want, right? They want to be, this isn't like, this is the most obvious statement ever, but people want to be treated like people. People want to be treated like commodities or products. And, um, and people, you know, I think that it's so detrimental to our mental health and our, our just kind of overall quality of life to be a cog in that attention economy, in that, in that kind of, in those profit machines and people are ready for something new. And so I think, um, it's, I, I think it's, it's, the demand is there and there's a lot of people starting companies that are doing so in a really values driven way as well now. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really excited for where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, you had, you shared something on your Twitter from the authentic Slack, um, which I thought was really cool. And it said, um, the conversation or authentic Slack has included original poetry shares today and I'm here for it. <laughs> me too, by the way. Uh, we're all so much more than tech founders. Having the space to share multiple aspects of ourselves is everything. Um, and I really like this because it, it makes space for founders to show up as whole people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could, like, it would be hypocritical, I guess, or, you know, at least unhealthy to be trying to build a really authentic community without being able to live really authentically yourself too, right? And so, um, yeah, it's kind of meta, but it's, it makes sense, right? Where, um, you know, we, we need to lead by example in terms of being able to show up as, as who we are and what we need. And, um, you know, I think the other thing that's, that's kind of different about um, the way that, that, you know, at least I would encourage companies who are being built at this point is that I think the hustle culture that has always been associated with early stage startups where like you have to, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed and, and no one's going to believe in you unless you're just showing that you're mm-hmm. just literally like killing yourself over building this company. And I don't think that has to be the way either, you know, mm-hmm. like I have, I have two small kids. I don't want to be, you know, to, to be, deteriorating my body and mind over building and that wouldn't be good for anybody. You know, I need to be there for my family. I need to be there for myself. I need to have, have space for taking care of myself. And, um, and I'm super productive when I am working on this, you know, I think it doesn't have to be about working, working long, hard hours. It can be about just, you know, being really, really driven and, um, clear, having that clarity when you are working and getting so much done that way. So I think that the kind of, founder mental health and founder self-care definitely ties in with the experience that those founders are then building for their communities. Mm. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because it's this founder mental health and founders self-care, just even this concept of founders being people, (laughs) aside from sort of the portrayal, you know, you have of yourself on social media and and all the articles. I feel it's so, it, 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 it really sells one way of doing it that's really unhealthy for a lot of people. And that's also predicated on the privilege or the life situation of maybe being, you know, a 22-year-old white male of a privileged family where, you know, I guess when you're that young, you have the, the responsibilities in your life are really different. And maybe that's what you want to do, build a company 80 hours a week. But there comes a threshold in life and it for some people, I guess it comes earlier and for others, it comes later where you really don't want to do that. And it's exactly like you said, it's I want to have time for myself, for my life, for my family, maybe for a hobby or writing poetry. So you really, you yeah. feel like a complete person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, you know, talking back about the, um, the kind of who makes up the, you know, makes up startup founders, what are the faces of, of what a founder looks like? You know, I think that that hustle culture isn't conducive to a lot of different identities and experiences and lives, you know, and so like cha- changing that narrative, I think will probably change kind of who feels more, more confident and comfortable starting companies. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Cause I've, I've definitely, I mean, I work with founders and people who are on the verge of starting companies and I've you know, and sometimes you're on the train and you talk to people and they're like, oh, so this is what you do. Well, great. I have an idea for a company. <laughs> and you're like, okay, great. I guess I'm working over coffee now. <laughs> um, but this this is something that's come up quite a lot. And they're like, well, you know, it sounds, it looks so stressful and nobody looks like me. And and it it is exactly what you're saying. There's this 
barrier to entry, even just from the, the models we have for doing this and the people we're showing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just like with relating to the, you know, the people looking like you that you see in these roles, I think a big part of the reason that I felt the confidence to start a company was because I had been an advisor to a few different female founded startups myself. Mm -hmm. And I got to see that, um, you know, the ones that, that I was lucky to be advising did kind of take care of themselves. And also they were, I could relate to them, you know, I mean, they're, they're brilliant women, but also they're not like some different kind of human than I am, you know, <laughs> like if they could do this, I could too. And I think that seeing that and seeing, um, the self-care, because I actually had that narrative for a while. I'm like, oh yeah, I would, I could see myself starting a company someday. I'm very entrepreneurial, you know, I'd started a lot of things, yeah, entrepreneurial things within yeah. Zillow and very creative. But I was like, I had done the early stage startup at Zillow and it was super fun at the time, but I didn't have my family yet. And I was working around the clock and I was like, oh, I don't think I could do that lifestyle again. And it actually like took a while for me to see people who had families and had balance and took care of themselves that were starting really successful companies before I realized that like, oh, those two don't have to go together. And I think a lot of people don't, don't see that enough. And so don't have that perspective yet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing your perspective on this because we really, I also think when, well, we, when you look to tech, there's, it's really the industry that says that they're building, creating, designing the future, right? And it's really a question of also who gets to design and build this future? Who are we bringing yeah. in? Absolutely. And there's so many implications. Obviously, we see case studies all the time of what it looks like when when there's a homogenous group of people designing the future it's not a future for everyone <laughs> so yeah it's 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 so important and especially as you know kind of what it means to be designing the future becomes more and more integrated into our lives right mm, for sure um let's talk about some authentic companies in your network do you have any examples or ones that you're super excited about right now? I mean, except Own Trail, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there there are all such really incredible companies that. Um, but yeah, to give to give a few shouts out, maybe um, I guess a friend of mine, Liz Pierce, is building this company, Fresh Chalk, which is a really community based company of um, kind of product and service recommendations amongst friends, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, my friend Kathleen is building a company called Buddy that is a community for um, people that are living through and um, have survived cancer. And that's a really powerful one. Um, there's a, a really cool um, kind of Gen Z relationships app called Chances that two sisters, Nicole and Vanessa, are building that um, I think is a really interesting way of kind of rethinking how people are connecting with each other in less binary ways. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Um, Relo is a really cool company that um, my friend Ty is building that um, is, is focused on creating communities around people that are moving into new locations that don't know anyone there yet. Yeah. Yeah, so, so many that um, just just trying to to name a few that, that pop into my mind. But yeah, it's a really very cool um, community of founders that are working on really different spaces that are coming together there. Yeah, I saw you have an um, an Airtable, I think, where you're sharing a couple yeah. of those names. I can put those in the show notes so everyone can check out the companies and and do that. Um, yeah, definitely. We're actually, we'll have a website soon. One of the authentic founders is building a website for us as well. So it'll be a bit fancier than an air table, but yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I like that. So uh, people can follow me on, on Twitter or wherever to get updates too about kind of how that's all progressing. So how does, for someone listening and who's like, oh, this is, this is the best idea ever authentic. I, I have a startup. I'm going to do it that way. How does one, um, become an authentic company is is that a thing and how can they join your community right now um and for the foreseeable future it's really open like i'm not trying to be a gatekeeper at all it's kind of like if you identify as building this way then great join the community and let's support each other um i don't know we've, we've had some interesting discussions around like is there a point where um people start to have a reason to gain that or to, you know, kind of say they're authentic as a way of looking good without really kind of building in that way. And we'll have to think about kind of what that means down the road. And if there's some kind of a certification or something like mm -hmm. that, but right now it's just, um, you know, really incredible people coming together for the right reasons. So, um, yeah, I think on, on, um, 
my Twitter account. You can see links to, to sign up to on the Airtable and then join our Slack community or just, you know, feel free to message me on, I'm pretty findable on lots of platforms if you're interested in being part of it. And once we launch that website, we'll, I'll have a clearer answer to that question. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, and then you know, like I mentioned, we have a room on or a club on Clubhouse mm-hmm. called Building Content, which is a great way to kind of join those conversations mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the more the merrier right now right. in terms of amazing people coming together to support each other. Cool. All right, we're sort of coming towards the end of our time, so I there's a last question I ask all the people on this podcast, and it's um, what's a moment in your life or career? that when looking back really was like a when pigs fly moment, right? Where everyone told you this is impossible, like forget it, it's never going to happen, but you made it happen anyways. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I definitely feel like closing our pre-seed round was a little pigs flying. <laughs> Not that people were telling me it was impossible. I think I was starting to feel a little bit like it was impossible myself, you know, and, uh, and it came together. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've started a lot of things out of nothing in, in I guess, in my career, which um, is always, you know, when, when you're starting something new that hasn't existed before, you know, whether that be like starting own trail as a new company or starting different kind of um, teams or projects or endeavors within my career at Zillow or um, things like that, you know, it's, I guess not pigs flying, but it's kind of like it went from like not being a thing to being a thing and that's kind of magical in and of itself you know mm-hmm. so I, I feel grateful to have had enough of those moments that um I, I feel like I don't in a good way I almost don't even have a grasp on what's not possible anymore because it feels like anything can be possible oh I love that that is such a good answer <laughs> all right <laughs> Rebecca where can people find you um you already shared a couple of you know links and handles um on own trail. Um, but if somebody yes. wanted to follow you or connect specifically with you, where can they do that? Yeah. I mean, I'm on, I guess, kind of ironically, I'm on all the different social platforms, even though we're trying to build own trail to potentially replace some of them, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm very discoverable. Own trail is very discoverable on all, all the different platforms. I would definitely encourage all of your listeners, you know, if, if you identify as a woman, please share your trail on own trail and, mm-hmm. um, find some inspiration and community there as well. And to everybody, because I know we all know inspiring women in our lives. So please share it with them. And, um, and you know, you can learn more about my trail on there as well and, um, and connect. And there's, there's a really amazing community there. So I hope to see you there. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Hi, thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rebecca as much as I did. If you want to keep in touch, you can subscribe to my newsletter at the link in the show notes. Um, Follow me on Twitter or on LinkedIn or follow the podcast on Spotify to keep in the loop. All right. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. 